we have um, a fair amount to discuss, which is like very novel and cool. I know. And hopefully a sign of good things to keep uh, coming. I am really interested in your take on this because I, I feel like there's so much in the overall promotion right now that like things could go so either way. But this yeah. particular pay-per-view had a really nice balance of like, okay, so here's kind of what you expected. Here are the twists and turns and the narrative arcs that you kind of were waiting for, the like the movements that you expected to happen. Mm-hmm. And then here's a couple of wild card things. Like we don't know what's going to play out from this. A couple of people who have had, eh, let's say, middling falls. Yes. Like summer into fall had some really mo- like big moments and other people kind of just continued on like a steady trajectory, not really going up or down, just kind of like riding that middle road. So I don't know. For me, this was a really solid B plus pay-per-view. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and especially coming off the heels of, of um, all out because that, that was a wild ride, not just because of like the the maelstrom that followed, but like the pay-per-view itself was a very middling pay-per-view. And I know I left feeling very like, mm, I'm not sure I I am happy with the money I spent on that one, or at least like fully satisfied with everything. And then, you know, here we are with full gear and every match delivers like top to bottom, like there wasn't really a dull moment on the card and it was paced really well. The ups and downs were really like, I I don't know. There was a lot of like good movement and momentum to the show. And I'm, that was a really solid pay-per-view. Yeah. Well, let's jump right into it this week. I'm M. Fear and I'm joined by Jackie Pat. We are talking about AEW full gear 2022. company imploding because it's mega stars got into a fist fight backstage um and someone got bit and there was a dog involved and tony khan got his ass handed to him in front of everyone in wrestling media and had to sit there and take it like a total glad handing chump <laughs> and so... to sum it up wrestling is back baby <laughs> <laughs> wrestling oh, is I... back <laughs> you will remember it far more for that content than say like the women's content on that show which was probably fairly minimal I believe that was the four-way match to determine the interim women's title holder which became which became Tony Storm so right off the bat we're still in this weird interim women's title world where there's an interim woman's title yet the current women's title holder who apparently is still holding that title because there is an interim women's title 
is never mentioned or spoken oh. of or seen, has just disappeared from the face of the earth. Yeah, if you just started watching AEW programming uh, because, say, you heard about the controversy and the chaos of what followed the pay-per-view and you were just tuning in, you might not even really know who the women's champ was, that like Thunder Rosa is still technically the AEW women's champion because she's never mentioned She's never never brought up. Mm -mm. Nope. She has been effectively erased, except for the fact that they're still fighting over an interim women's championship and not the women's championship. So it's just like, uh, I feel like this shoe is going to drop at some point, but I don't know how, when, or what, or why. Maybe they're doing this as an elaborate way to bring Thunder back. Potentially. But but based on like the rumors and the gossip and uh, like the, you know, not so great things, vibes about the situation when Thunder was there, like, I feel like that's not the case. I have no idea. I'm yeah. Super and, curious. and I think you got to know, like, at least for me, I am always someone who takes wrestling rumors with a heavy, large mound of salt, let's say, uh, not just a grain, but a whole mound, uh, because look. The media is an arm for storytelling. How much of these rumors are true? How much of them are completely fabricated? And how much of them are a little bit of both woven together is oftentimes impossible to tell. So we have the media story of Thunder Rosa and why she uh, may or may not be avoiding any kind of competition for that championship versus what could actually be happening, which is a complicated injury, uh, which could uh, be potentially even be some uh, complicated, like behind the scenes business stuff, because Thunder Rosa does do work with other wrestling promotions. She has her own mission pro and some other things going on. So there's a number of reasons why Thunder Rosa may be absent and a number of reasons why they may not want to, or actually like maybe even legally cannot talk about it so we don't know (laughs) that that's all to say there's a lot of uncertainty here that's really difficult to to kind of navigate through and I know I'd like some clarity at least on terms of the interim versus non-interim situation because it does feel like Tony Storm has been carrying herself as more than just an interim champion not to diminish the title at all but she's really held her own as a champ and how many interim champs can you go through before we ever see or hear from the the actual crowned legacy champ yeah exactly uh how how much can we remain in this holding paddle pattern of interim champions before we have to make a move to solidify something because um as harley has pointed out to us you know in conversation and, and mayday and and other people pointed out like what does this mean about Tony Storm now that Tony Storm is no longer an interim women's champion? Does that just yes. mean she's like never been a champ? I have been my for my money, absolutely not. She's been a champ and she deserves to have that title reign recognized. So what do we do yeah. with it? <laughs> but like what do you do? Like you don't have like 
you, like an interim champion doesn't have like its own spot in a Hall of Fame, right? No. Like I'm not saying we're at a Hall of Fame level at this point in AEW's lifespan of three years, but it's like, yeah, what do you? And that's the case across the board. They do these interim championships when yes. it comes to their main titles and and their TNT or you know yeah their TNT title like. There, there's a line of people who end up getting these credentials where it's not really going to do much for their name down the line because it ends up not meaning anything. It's a, it's a placeholder. And there's a lot of inconsistency with how they treat these interim titles mm-hmm. too and the lineage of them. So like the TNT title, they don't really talk about or mention most of the interim title holders in that regard, but yet Mox's interim title reign is addressed and seen as a proper title reign when you're counting how many titles Mox has held. So (laughs) there's a little bit of inconsistency with how these reigns count. And if we're following the tradition of Mox and your grand champion, like um, you're you're kind of 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 the division of your of your gender divisions, like then Tony Storm's reign should be a reign. Yeah, like I it's at this point just like let's we've got to move it. We got to move it on. We have to let's do something here. We have to we have to solidify it so that you don't keep putting belts on on wrestlers where it doesn't. You know, it's not going to mean something in another six months. It's just you gotta you gotta give people some kind of solid legacy to leave behind, even if it's like a raid that they had for six months or for two months or whatever. Like they it needs to have some credit behind it. Say, and it's been a whole pay per view cycle now. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but okay, so speaking of the pay-per-view, uh, largely positive things to say about this one um, in that it was a typical AEW pay-per-view fashion. It was over long. It was a little overstuffed. And there were definitely matches here that didn't necessarily need to be a pay-per-view match. That being said, uh, again, largely positive. The bar was approximately as high as delivering a competent, uh, solid to very good show with minimal uh, long-term injuries and no post-show shenanigans and they cleared that bar so b plus b plus yeah bar cleared for sure and honestly as i was saying earlier exciting pay-per-view really well paced not a bad match a couple that could have definitely been cut for time not necessary to have but the show largely rose to the occasion it rose to the low bar that was set of um keeping it entertaining and keeping it together (laughs) yeah exactly just had to to make something uh competent and solid and nothing that was going to indicate that people are going to lose their jobs tomorrow and that's exactly what they did and uh, we won't go through the whole thing because most of you know as is usual with aw's pay-per-views and aw's content in general most of his men's matches but there were not one, not two, but three women's matches on this card, which is pretty stellar record for, for an AEW pay-per-view. And all singles matches. So mm-hmm. not cramming, you know, all of the women into a, a single space and having them compete to get their shit in. Like, this is proper matches with stories. Yes. I think one big thing that sets this apart, aside from the fact that there are three matches here and not one or, or two or, you know, multi-women tag matches. Um, the big thing that sets this apart is that going into this pay-per-view, there were three major stories 
And all three of these major stories are playing out in this pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. And these stories have not been like in with have not been have not been built in the last week. They haven't been a rush job, a a product of a of a promo that airs right before the match on the pay-per-view, which has happened multiple times. Mm-hmm. Um, no, all of these had stories that have gone on for the last month or so at least, at the bare minimum. So that right there gives you a confident leg to stand on when you're going into this. Everything from the TBS women's title match to, to Soraya and Britt Baker to the interim women's champion, every single one of them has something solid to ground the storytelling in this match, which is which, which only made it more exciting to see that stuff in the ring. Plus, all three of these matches were distinctly different from one another. And all three of these matches were grounded, as you were saying, in something very personal for at least one of the competitors in the match. So there were some very real feelings and real stakes involved for in every single scenario here, uh, something real to fight for. And that was really ref- so refreshing to see uh, an actual investment in the women this pay-per-view, top to bottom. Yes, and the women overall really delivered too. They were mm-hmm. given a chance to shine, and in shine they did. Let's let's tackle the first match, the first women's match of the night, which was Jade Cargill, uh, kind of uh, you know fighting for her TBS championship title um, against Nyla Rose, fighting for, fighting to get it back because Nyla <laughs> has been um, Nyla stole it at some point several weeks ago and has been parading it around in both. Um, ringside and also um, in the ring as the TBS champion and in backstage and um, behind the on, scenes. And on social media. Meetings, on social media. Uh, okay, one of my favorite things in uh, wrestling, one of my favorite tropes in wrestling is when someone steals a title belt yes. and they get really indignant about it being theirs. Um, I think that's so hilarious. There's this yes. level of like self-delusion that it indicates that it's just like kind of delightful in that like someone just grabbed a belt. They just grabbed it. They just mm-hmm. took it and ran. And it's in Nala's so, case, it literally was like grabbing and running. It's so childlike too. Cause it's just like, Oh, this is mine now. Like it's mine. Cause I say it's mine. I have it. It's mine. And it's so wonderful to, to see yeah. that play out. There's and like I, very single I've also been so stoked on this storyline because I have been for years now wanting to see this from Nyla. She is a goofball. She loves corny jokes. She loves trying to make you groan and laugh at the same time. And if you follow her on social media, she is so fucking funny. So to be able to use that goofball, that clown, that buffoon side of her personality to really get under Jade's skin has been a work of art. I am laughing every week. I can't wait to see how she's going to keep this going. So it has been really a a great uh, anecdote to sort of the, the seriousness of a lot of the Jade, of Jade's feuds before this. Oh, yeah. And I also think it was nice to have something that had a bit of comedy to it for for Jade's latest story, because, you know, Jade's been playing it so straight and so, yes. um, you know, like 
you know, down the barrel, like, I'm that bitch, like, you know, here's my entourage, I'm taking this all hyper seriously. So someone like Nyla entering in like this, like whirling agent of chaos um, to upend everything and to treat Jade like she's, you know, not this made of steel woman, but this perfectly fallible woman that Jade is just, Uh that uh, Nyla's just going to like run roughshod over and and take her belt. And um, there was something really refreshing about that because Jade's storyline as a you know undefeated streak can be at this point in the streak it, it's getting a little stale like she needs things to mix it up um having the opponent Absolutely. of every two to three weeks where it's just like we get these little build-ups to it and then she has the match and it's you know a seven minute match and it's done um and you know it, she's gonna she, win you know she's gonna win or like it when she does win it has becoming it's becoming a law of diminishing returns in this case, with her and Nyla, the story was strong enough and different enough that it got me reinvested in Jade all over again and yeah. got me, of course, reinvested in Nyla. I wanted to see this play out a little differently than it did in the ring, but I wasn't disappointed by what they were able to do here yes. and what they were able to do with the story overall. I just, I, there were, this of the three women's matches was probably my, my least favorite, only in that I felt it was a bit disjointed. There were mm-hmm. elements of this match that I didn't feel like the women were communicating super well, or it almost felt like they were in two different matches at some point. Like, like, yeah. Yeah, I had a similar sort of feeling with the the disconnect between them. Uh, and the way that I sort of was thinking about it, it was very almost like this was a, t- it, it almost felt like a, a, like a rampage match instead of a pay-per-view match. Um and like it, it was good. Like it wasn't a bad match um, by any stretch of the imagination. But it was that like an eight, and I would have liked to have seen it all the way up at the ten where you want a pay per view to be, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there were some really cool exchanges here. I really liked Jade and I like kind of exchanging each other's moves. Um, I thought that was a really yes. nice touch. I you know of course I'm always going to get behind like a host battle, and this is definitely like two of their larger women mm-hmm. like going at it. Um, it just, yeah, there were moments in this match where I felt like they weren't really doing what they're both capable of. Uh, I do think Jade still has a bit of a ceiling when it comes to her longevity in the ring. You know, most of her matches are not like, you know, she's not going to go that like, she's not doing 30 minute epics. And that's fine. Not every wrestler has to do that. Sure. But I do think she does have kind of a ceiling where like she hits like a seven to eight minute mark and you can feel like, you can feel the end coming. That's a really good observation. Yeah, it is a lot like that. And I think you hit on something too here um, when you talked about like this, this is a Haas fight. Like it very much is, you know, two big, powerful people going at it. And it didn't, some of, some of the hits, some of the kicks just didn't quite have all of the power that I wanted out of these two women fighting one another. And that's part of that dial that I was talking about is like, I just wanted them to to maybe lean into it a little more or just, you know, um, be a little tougher with one another. And I recognize that they have to work in a way that's safe, like safety first all the time. Um, But when you have two women who are this, this powerful and this strong facing one another, you, you expect to, or at least I expect to see a little bit of, um a little more violence in the match and i guess that's just a taste thing yeah you know i and i think maybe it is a taste thing but i have the same preference and it's like i just want to see them leave it all there 
And I don't think Jade's at a point where she's ready to have that type of match, which is understandable. She's still so early into her career, right? Oh like, gosh, yeah. What? Like, like, and she years? See. Yeah. And she's also, she's a champ and she's got this undefeated streak. So not only does, does, do they have to maintain their booking, but she has to maintain through staying healthy and continuing, uh-huh. like being able to fight every other week on Rampage or wherever. So like, I get it. She's going to stay healthy. She's maybe not at the point in, in her career or not at a point right now where she can risk a major injury by doing anything kind of reckless or going a little wild. Um, Absolutely. But with an opponent like Nyla, you really want to see it, right? Because we've seen Nyla do that. We've seen Nyla do that with like Sheeta. We've seen them like yeah. go like, 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 you know, wall to wall outside of the ring going everywhere. This one was still a little tame, but for Nyla, but by comparison. Yes. But still good match, like solid, mm. good title solid. match. Solid. This would have been like a, a perfectly good main event on Rampage. Yep. Um, and hey, shout out to our, our entrances here too, because of the entrances, I felt like these women had the biggest show about it. Um, Nyla entered with Vicky and Marita in a mm-hmm. low rider. A tribute yeah. to Eddie, of course, which was fantastic. Although uh, people point out some um, iffy things about Marina Shafir's uh, look in this. I'm not going to make any mention of that. It's not my place to. I'll say if you didn't care for it, you didn't care for it. Um, and then Cargill, in her typical pay-per-view style, came out in uh, cosplay-inspired inspired gear. I thought this one was a ton of worlds better than her. I think she was doing She-Hulk. Oh gosh, it's so much better. The Chitara look was ugh, uh, nostalgia oh, perfection. The Chitara look was so so good. It suited her so well. It looks really good as wrestling gear mm-hmm. too. Um, it just reminded me though of like, uh, don't do She Hulk. Uh, don't paint yourself green ever. It never works for anybody. Oh okay. no, no. <laughs> that that look is uh, that one disappointed me when she walked out in the She Hulk look. I was like, oh no jade no i know you're green like money but not like this not like not like this baby not, not like, like this, this. <laughs> we move on to our second women's match which was dr dr brick baker dmd versus the returning soraya also mm. known as Paige, also known as soraya knight um soraya it has been five years believe it or not jackie it's been five years since she wrestled can you believe that uh, I both can and cannot believe that at the same time. When I saw the number, I was like, whoa, five, five, five years. Okay. Wow. But wrestled like she's been gone six months. <laughs> like, honestly, one of, one of the things that was a, a real treat to see in this return is when someone starts in the business young and Soraya's grown up in this business her whole life and started training as a child, you see how the fundamentals just really don't ever leave you. And this was great. I I just want to start gushing about the match, but it was really, really great to see ultimately Soraya come back and barely look like she lost a step. Yeah, I I think that's perfectly said. Uh, This was definitely a welcome back match. but it did not feel like a, a match that she had been where, you know, it, it felt like someone out from out on injury for a year, not someone out on a career ending injury for right. more than five. When she was injured and declared like basically that she would be out 
for the entirety of her out of wrestling for the rest of her life, that was taken as kind of a given. And while a lot of men have come back from that, I mean, Brian Danielson is a great example of that mm-hmm. for and for women. Absolutely. But for women wrestlers, it's still exceptionally rare. And there's a lot of reasons to that. There's simply not enough room made for veteran women's wrestlers to come back from potentially, you know, career ending injuries. Yeah. But then you have someone like Soraya, you have someone who is so young still and someone who had would have had a, you know, endless career had she not had that injury and that shelves her. But like she still has the rest of her life. She has such a lo- so much more of her professional life span left, let alone her actual lifespan, that it makes sense for her to try and get as healthy as possible and get cleared to come yes. back and do the thing that she's been doing since, she, since childhood. Yeah. And this is someone who, you know, had she not been injured, would be really entering the prime of, mm-hmm. of, of her wrestling. You know, she'd really be stepping into herself. You know, she's, she's 30 or right about 30 years old. So like really blossoming into like veteran wrestler, but also best decade or two ahead of her. So this is, um, a really on just like a personal level, a really wonderful thing to see uh, that she's been able to get back to this thing that she loves, that she's dedicated her life to, and that she thought that she would never be able to be part of like this again. Um, I'm just, you love to see someone get a win like this, or at least I love to see someone get a win like this. Uh, I am a sucker for some good, wholesome content like that. So there was just a lot of good feeling going into this match despite some I you know very genuine and I think concern from a lot of people about her health and her ability to to withstand the you know actual physical wear and tear of a match uh, which are very good questions for someone coming back from a neck injury and especially one thought to be career ending but she's weathered it well and weathered the criticisms and the questions well and worked that directly into the match to clearly some audience members uh, discomfort, which I think is a big thing that we have to talk about here is their decision to work uh, Soraya's neck into mm-hmm. the, the bulk of the story of what's being told here. Yes. Baker does a lot of targeting of her neck in the early beats of this match you know down to even like you know getting in her brother's face about Soraya and like Baker going into this match she had had a series of promos that kind of muddied the waters of heel versus face yeah and they never they, they like to do this with, with Britt Baker specifically because the company rests so much of their women's division on her they like to make it so that Britt is I heal for the most part, but when going into some kind of momentous situation, they give her a lot of great lines. You know, they give her a lot of great presence. They give her the ability to be the face of the company, even though she's still very much playing in heel mode. Mm-hmm. So she goes from those type of promos into this match where she fights not dirty and as in cheating, but dirty as in clearly, you know, taking the lead and taking the like most vulnerable point of her competitor. Which shows her to be a heel, but also does show her to be a smart wrestler, right? Like, if she's attempting to win a match here, the easiest way to do that is to exploit the, like, injuries that she knows exist, that we all know exist. It creates an unbearable tension for the audience. It is really compelling. Is it messy? Absolutely. 
there's a ton of messiness in this match, but I would not have chosen it to be any other way because what am I like, what am I watching the story for? Am I watching it for a completely clean battle here? No, like that's not the story. The story is someone returning after five years after believing that they would never wrestle again. And this is coming from me. Like I understand how important Paige was in the WWE and like that trajectory into the women's revolution. And I understand what she means for so many wrestling fans. I wasn't like into wrestling at that point in time. So I read about that in retrospect and respect it, but it doesn't mean as much to me in that immediate way that it means to other people. So like when Soraya came into AEW, I'm going to admit it. I was skeptical because of how they booked the women's division. I was wondering what they were going to do with another person on that roster who had to take up space and time. And yet this ended up justifying every bit of those choices, every bit of those choices. Yeah. I had a lot of, I had a lot of faith in Soraya. Um, And I I think a lot of these questions are valid because the track record with AEW and women is not good. Just when you look at the evidence, when you look at the time, when you look at the bookings, it's not good. But Soraya is a superstar in a way that most other wrestlers on this roster are not. And perhaps no other wrestler on this roster is perhaps maybe like Sting really being the only other presence that has someone that's like such a name beyond wrestling. Cause Soraya has a film about her and her family out there that people who are not wrestling fans love. I have friends who don't give a shit about wrestling, but loved fighting with my family and know who she is because of that. There are total Divas fans who love Paige from back then, who, again, maybe weren't really wrestling fans, but love total Divas and are following, you know, now Soraya over to something else. So this, uh, she's a Twitch streamer, a top Twitch streamer, who brings in a lot of attention uh, on that platform to herself. So this is a bona fide celebrity outside of wrestling. Um, so if she's coming back to this company, she's coming with some gravitas uh, and the ability to make some demands. And I think we're seeing that starting to really play out here going into and and um, emerging at this pay-per-view. I want to see where this goes from here. There is something really startling about having someone fairly new into the company, even with, you know, the kind of, you know, momentum that they come in with someone like Soraya like there is still something about like someone coming in so early and getting a definitive win definitive over you know someone that they talk about on commentary as like the leading woman in the division Britt Baker isn't currently a champion she is a former women's champion she is not currently a champion and yet no matter what the story comes back to Britt Baker (laughs) the story always comes back to Britt Baker and even in this match even in this match, I'm going to give Britt her flowers here. Like, she had to do so much in this match. Yes, she she did. had to do so much and be responsible for so much. She mm-hmm. had to make sure she was taking care of her competitor, but not look like she was taking care of her competitor. Mm-hmm. She had, like, everyone's eyes were on her the whole time about what, like, what she could potentially do to completely upend this whole plan for Soraya. And the whole time, she can't make it look like at any of that is happening. She had to be mm-hmm. safe with her, but she had to also be responsible for the structure of the match. She had to, like, you know, keep all the beats on task. Like, 
she was running the show here and had to make everything down to her pinfall look completely credible and earned by her competitor. It it was really, really great to see Baker take that role on and do it so well, because I I am a Britt Baker fan. I do think that AEW's women's division has kind of like kind of rested on her in a way that doesn't actually do her that many favors and ends yeah. up just being like a poochie situation where it's just like, what about Britt Baker? Um, but I do think she deserves all the attention she gets and deserves the accolades. And in this particular match, she really proved what she was worth to the division. Yes. And to just to put a sticker on everything that you were saying there too, the the work that she's doing that she's trying to both hide and make uh, look brutal is specifically around the area of the body where we all know Paige has been injured her neck. So like, it's not just all of that. It is even heightened because of where a lot of the action is taking place like that. Like, what was it like a, a, a some kind of neck breaker from, from the apron to the, to the, to the outside of the ring was so brutal. That was actually breath catching to watch that moment. Like I, like I, I couldn't help but audibly react, even though I trust both of these women to be safe. Like it, it, I reacted very clearly and, and both of them get so much credit. Britt really had a star making performance here because she not only held, as you were saying, held her own uh, with Saraya in that ring. She really led the way for this veteran to to kind of follow on this return back into the ring. So I thought they worked really well together. I thought they told such a clear and compelling story uh, and both of their stars shine brighter for, for what happened here. Soraya making a definitive, no, I'm here and I've still got it. And you're going to see a lot more of me and Brit saying, and yeah, I can hang with this one. So stop shitting on me now, please. <laughs> And we have a sucker for stories like this in wrestling because there's so much, yeah, there's kayfabe there, but there's so much genuine, like, truthful story there. There's uh-huh. so much, like, actual of Paige's actual experience there. Down to having her brother, right, you know, bring sight of the audience, like, that embrace after the match. Like, that's, that's not, like, th- th- there's no script there. That's two people getting to celebrate a moment where somebody got to prove something to themselves and to the world that they are back, that they are back in doing what they have been doing since they were a child like mm. there is there are those moments in wrestling and it's, it's because of how wrestling bleeds truth and fiction together into such a like unintelligible undistinguishable like indistinguishable stew um that's what makes wrestling like extra magical in those moments where it's like the fiction kinds of kind of curtains off and you get moments of pure truth like that yeah. um it is and I'm delighted to say this wasn't even my favorite match of the night. Like, I know. It was like we got good, better, best. Yes. So, so that was a big deal. But let us move on finally to the uh, the big women's match of the night for the interim women's title. Tony Storm, the reigning interim women's champion, whatever that means. <laughs> Um, de- um, defending this interim women's championship against Jamie Hayter. Now, Malev, you listening might recall that back at um, All Out, Jamie and Tony were both in that four-way along with Britt Baker and Sheeta, I believe. Yes, they were in that four-way. And sometime in the middle of that four-way match, the crowd definitively moved behind Jamie Hayter and never moved away. 
Um, yes. Leaving a lot of us to be extra crushed when she, neither she nor Britt took the title, but it did go, in fact, to Tony Storm. Ever since then, they've been playing this, this you know, heels and faces like faction game. Um, Tony and then so Tony backed up by Soraya with, versus Britt and Jamie and, um, you know, just kind of a rotating cast of who's going to be in the tag match this week, who's going to be in a singles match, etc. The story has been compelling. Sometimes the matches have been less so because they've been kind of pre-described and kind of designated spot fillers. And I, uh, but they have led consistently to the many matches we saw tonight, including this one. Um, so Tony Storm has had this interim women's championship since the beginning of September. She's defended it a handful of times. I like Tony Storm a lot. I don't fully comprehend AEW's version of Tony Storm. There's mm. not a lot there. That's a really good critique. This is a woman who has tremendous ring talent. Tremendous. I mean, I remember seeing her in in Japanese promotions. I remember her, like seeing her in like non-WWE context and thinking she's going to be a star. And then rightfully so, she yeah. got signed and you know, she made her name in NXT for a little while, but then, you know, they botched that. And now AEW, like, it's just, it's like they can't quite figure out how to make, and they have this problem with their faces in general, I will say this. Faces in AEW, in their women's division anyway, don't really get a lot of great focus you know they have a hard time figuring out what to do with a face heels no problem they let their heels be heels and their heels tend to have fun with it and do a lot with it but their faces just they struggle in defining their characters they have a problem with thunder rosa Rosa. i mean i look being a baby face is harder period than being a heel because you're just more limited in what you can do and a heel Mm -hmm. if you can if you can think of a way to be a jerk you can do it so there's limitless possibilities but with with a baby face there's there's a lot there's a lot more that could go wrong so you're a lot more limited in the options that you can try to to use to help build support behind you and i think and in I hate to say it, but good old-fashioned um, sexism does come in to play a little bit here because there is a there is a portion of the AEW audience that gets up and leaves during the women's matches. And it's not just AEW, it's WWE, and it's a lot of, you know, it's just out there. And it's something that we have to contend with and we have to be able to talk about honestly. So when you're talking about a role like a babyface, which is already difficult to step into... And then you're talking about having a portion of the crowd not receptive to to or not necessarily liking or enjoying women uh, as as wrestlers in the first place. It's an even harder uphill battle to get everyone on your side. Um, And it's an even more fine, like a tightrope wire um, to walk. Uh, And I think that that's that's the struggle here. And, you know, I, you're spot on I, with, with Tony Storm not being the same Tony Storm that we've been able to see in other places or get behind. And I love the glimmers of heel Tony we got uh, just poking out during this match as an organic reaction to the crowd because, again, they were behind Jamie Hayter. This was Hayter's crowd. This was Hayter's night. And Tony, 
heard that and played into it at key moments. And I think that maybe that's where the next stage for Tony's character in AEW goes, is maybe exploring um, a little bit of that, you know, being a little bit of a chip on the shoulder developing from being the interim champ and um, all that could go with that interim um, qualifier. Yeah, I um, I liked, I liked, I always like what Tony can do in the ring. When Tony yes. Storm is wrestling, she transforms into like the full character that you want to see. She's got everything, and she um, she wrestles with. Uh, this is going to sound like such a bird, but it's not. Um, she wrestles with a, a an alarming amount of charisma that is not quite present when she delivers outside of the ring like when she's doing yes. a promo or a segment like that. It's such a shame because there are few women who perform as charismatically in ring wrestling as Tony Storm does. Yeah. So when you see her wrestle, it's this like just eye-opening thing of like, oh my God, there she is. Especially so, outside of Japan. Like, like oh, yeah. Tony has Japan kind of charisma, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Joshi charisma. Yeah, and I think that's actually a really good point too, because I think the um, her training and where she really got like her chops was in a different, like a very culturally different style of women's wrestling, where like yeah. that charisma does need to be apparent while wrestling and ring, and not so much in the backstage promos. Mm-hmm. Certainly counts for something, regardless. But it's like she has that extra performativeness to her in the ring that is so fun to see. And that little bit of bite she had in this match when it was clear that like, especially between the interference from Jamie's crew and the crowd just being so behind her, it was fun to see Tony having to kind of battle from a position of being the defending champion, but not the favorite in the ring. And even the defending champ being, you know, defending champ in quotes a little bit, like it's, it created a really good, uh, a, a, to go back to the word of stew, a good stew to play around in, you know? Yeah. I, I thought this was so good. It was so physical. Mm-hmm. I expected this match mm-hmm. to be decent. The, um, both Hater and Storm did a nice job of setting up their personal history in the weeks leading up to this match, which I think did a nice job of putting an extra layer of tension between the two women. Mm-hmm. Um which is grounding it back in something real. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Giving us something to think about even beyond just like, you know, two women fighting for a title, which is enough story in wrestling usually, but like it's nice to have those extra layers, especially when it comes to JB Hater. Um, Tony is still kind of defining her person, her character in AEW. Jamie has been so well defined in relationship with Fred Baker that it's been just a complete delight in the last couple of months to get to see her stand apart and not just like this tension of like is she gonna keep backing up Brit is she gonna turn on her but no more like what is the deal with Jamie and Brit like why does she keep coming back to her why do they remain friends despite everything why does she stay in her corner even though and that and this this was a huge breakout moment of like oh hey they are going to play with this idea that both of these women can be in the spotlight at once and that's really compelling tension. That's even more compelling than like, oh, you know, Jamie's getting tired of Brit's shit. Like this idea that like 
maybe Brett is going to chase a different title. Maybe she's the one to end Jade's streak. Maybe that's the thing. That's the play. Mm-hmm. Or like the two women are both title holders. Like that'd be or, cool. Or there's the question of the interim part of this world champion where like Jamie is the interim women's champion and Britt was the full women's champion. Does that create a different kind mm-hmm. of response? Like or, there's lots of there's even the possibility that this is Britt helping Jamie get the title, brings the title closer to Britt, because then Britt now has it so close to her fingertips that she can turn on Jamie at any time and try to set herself up for a shot at it. Like there's so many ways to go forward with this and so many stories that they could tell. But but Jackie, if if Britt and Jamie break up, who gets custody of Rebel? Oh, oh M with the important questions. I mean, like, what are we going to do Is it joint Rebel? custody? <laughs> is this a situation where, like, Rebel is, like, one half of the match, uh, work, you know, in Team Brit, one half of the match is in Team <laughs> Jay, and, like, working both for and against them both? <laughs> is it a reconcilable differences thing where, like, Rebel's just like, I'm not going to, I'm not living with either of you. I'm living <laughs> with the nanny. Oh, I love it. And it's a very important question in all of this, indeed, because <laughs> I love Rebel Ringside. She is a treat. She makes me laugh. She is ah, a lot of a lot of a lot of a lot in a good way. She is, yeah, she is one of my my favorites. As far as people who are backing up others as far as like ballet slash like entourage folks mm-hmm. she's definitely in my like top three um i think she's just absolutely adorable and you know bar none best facial expression of anyone in this company yeah um, so. one of your favorite wrestling tropes earlier and one of my favorite tropes i love a good just incessantly barking manager or valet or friend at ringside just someone who's constantly making a scene causing a distraction uh the big facial expressions the yelling just i love a charismatic person in the corner so oh then you must be a huge fan of what vicky guerrero is doing for neither <laughs> oh i i've always loved vicky guerrero i i there are things about her as a person that like confuse me that I just can't square but as a performer I think she is top-notch she commands attention and always gets the crowd to react always everybody else everybody else is bringing like a 10 and Vicky Guerrero is on the sidelines shrieking at a 12 absolutely she's like trying to go for like dog whistle notes up there I (laughs) she's a ugh She's a star. The it's, girl it's, gets it's, gets love in my book. Absolute, yeah, absolute top three as well. So this overall, though, uh, JB threw a little bit of threw a little bit of shenanigans. Um, although you know, you know, we come down sometimes on the like, you know, the interference shenanigans in this podcast. But in this particular case, I'm going to give it to them. I actually think that the way this all played out was pretty well done, especially with the turnbuckle spot. Yes. The story unfolded uh, in pieces, so it wasn't just like a a quick little piece of interference and then some kind of momentum shift. There was a couple of like, there was an escalation to it uh, that played out really nicely. Uh, There was a little bit of, at first, like, um, 
with at least uh, Rebels involvement, like is is Jamie aware of this involvement or not? But as you know, it progresses, Jamie's clearly paying attention to it, whether she asked for it or not, and is working with it. Um, so it's it, it told a really great story and it used the interference in a way that didn't really f- it didn't feel like it was a cop out or lazy sort of booking. Like it felt you're almost expecting the interference to come in some capacity and the same as sort of MJF at the end of the night as well. Like you're expecting some sort of shenanigans, um, but they played out in a really subtle way. And it was, it, it still allowed Jamie to like definitively earn that win. Yes. Um, I think had it not been for the near fall that happened like moments before the turnbuckle spot where she, uh, she got a hate breaker on storm and mm-hmm. a two count and there was a huge eruption of the crowd and i remember this specifically because my husband like jumped out of his seat to explain mm-hmm. like his frustration um if it weren't for that moment that turnbuckle spot might not have worked as smoothly and as well as it did but yes. because of that particular near fall and because of how well this was timed and paced and because mm-hmm. of how fucking like just on the women were during this entire match that bit of interference completely worked for me it was totally fine it was hater taking advantage of of an opportunity they worked it really quickly mm-hmm. there was no like weird stalling or having to do any kind of weird like maneuvering around hey, Rex, like, don't you know, look at this exactly <laughs> it was it was very smoothly done in a way that was just like oh yeah she saw an opportunity she took it and now she's gonna get the win out of it totally makes sense he's mm-hmm. jamie firmly in the heel camp no confusion there keeps Tony protected to some degree as well in, in losing the title, which is always welcome too, because, you know, we want to, we want to see storm still be a viable competitor in this division. Uh, Yeah. Everyone felt protected in this match. Everyone felt deserved in this match. Everything felt earned a plus. This was great. Yes. And delivered on the violence that I wanted from the first (laughs) match. Like I, you know, I got the violence that I wanted from the evening, even if it came, later you know they they really they they really worked a tough violent hard-hitting wrestling match and if you if you were to say to me like these two matches emily who's gonna bleed i don't know that i would have picked this one to be the bleeder but it was and it was absolutely well done i mean tony tony wears the blood well so like right there it's another it's another example of how charismatic tony is as a wrestler we just kind of as an audience, and I'm curious to see what they do with this loss and, and the development of her character. Where does this take Tony in AEW? Where, where is she? What is this going to do to her character? Will it bring out aspects of her that are going to be, you know, more relatable or more tangible or, you know, pull her out more in promos? It would be nice to see that because right now there's this like formal finish to her in promos that immediately distances her from us. And it, it's yes. like, it kind of makes her a little boring and she's not boring. She's not boring to watch at all. So I want to see that wrestling Tony. What I want to see what they, what um, comes of her after this, because this is an interesting spot to leave her. Yes. An interesting spot. Like I said, uh, we were leading off here for all, all six of these women in, in these matches this evening. Uh, you mentioned the possibility of Brit maybe challenging Jade for uh, her streak and her title. Um, And Britt would certainly be an apt and challenging competitor. 
to see potentially Britain and uh, Jamie Hayter both holding titles together uh, uh, would be pretty cool to see, especially that like instead of seeing these, you know, women tearing each other down, seeing these, you know, women holding each other up storyline would be something different and something interesting. Um, hey, who knows? What if AEW finally gives us a women's tag belt? Ooh, interesting. interesting. I mean, they keep adding titles. They keep adding titles to the men's division. Give us a goddamn women's tag belt. Look, I'm, putting them in tags. I'm still of the opinion that both the tags and the trios belt should be um, non-gendered. Like any any team, any gender should be able to compete for for both of those. But I digress. My kingdom for for a intergender trio <sighs> title. Which did you notice, by the way, it did seem that in that AEW Fight Forever commercial, they'd certainly had some intergender uh, clips on the wrestling video game advertisement uh, that, that passed by quickly. I don't know if you noticed that. I did not. And I'm guessing that sensitive little Tony Khan didn't notice it either, because I don't know what would have happened to his poor little, his poor little sensibilities and, and how offensive intergender wrestling, how, how, how how uh how uh you know oh no we can't let we can't have that happen that i guarantee i is, guarantee it's a video game so in his mind it's an entirely different thing it's that like, is probably exactly what it is rough it's all fiction it's all fiction it's actually very much the same thing in a lot of ways <sighs> but <laughs> that being said progress this pay-per-view represents actual marked progress for AEW and the women's division. These women were given actual stories. They were given time. They were given uh, a real chance to put on a show and be part of this pay-per-view. And I hope this momentum only continues, uh, uh, not just on the pay-per-views, but uh, on television. I hope we can really get towards having an hour of, of television dedicated to these women across the two shows um going forward in 2023 so let's hope this is this is heading there 100% I I really there's a lot of momentum here I don't want to be overly optimistic because it just never pays to be overly optimistic in wrestling in general but also especially where AEW's women's division is concerned however there's a lot of momentum here there's a lot of storylines that could spin off from this there's so many different avenues that this can take we have three different matches several women involved both in the matches themselves and on the periphery we can we can do so much with this in the coming months all they have to do is commit to it they have to commit giving these women screen time whatever like whatever methods that means whatever like tactic whatever whatever paths those take as long as they're giving them time on television time where the most amount of audience members are going to see them and get invested in these stories, yes. that payoff is going to happen. That investment is going to be worth it, but they have to actually really dedicate themselves and actually really, you know, actually commit. And, you know, I think that there have been some positive steps. I definitely think that some of the sea changes behind the scenes have helped. Um, Madison Rain um, being part of the backstage yes. team for the women's division. I feel like there's already a mark being made there. And hopefully we get determination that that credit is due um, soon. But we'll see. We've got some exciting. Um, there's some exciting big uh, annual you know shows for them coming up. They're doing the whole winter is coming street uh, like 
week or two in the next several weeks. So hopefully they'll announce some big deal matches for that with the women's division. This leaves AEW's women's division in a lot better shape than, say, other pay-per-views in recent history have done. And I, for the first time in a little while, I'm genuinely, genuinely hooked and intrigued on these particular stories. So I'm I'm excited to see what's next. They do need to keep mixing up with Jade. Um, this storyline with Nyla um, was a great breath of fresh air after yes. uh, a, a couple of kind of stale runs with other feuds. Yeah. So with Jade getting inching closer and closer to 50, they really need to just like get her to that milestone and maybe give her a break, give her end the streak for a little while because we're not getting much new with it. Mm-mm. And this was this was a breath of fresh air. This was yes. new, but how much more new can they do before a loss is necessary? Yeah, that's a very good question. And a question that I'm hoping gets answered sooner rather than later. But speaking of sooner rather than later, we should probably wrap this up. Jackie Pratt, how can people find you? They can find me on Twitter. At cheap pop is a band. That is, that is my socials. <laughs> and of course, you can find Grit and Glitter on Twitter. You can find us on Instagram, and you can find us, of course, on Patreon.com, where if you subscribe at the five or ten dollar level, you get a host of goodies like a weekly newsletter penned by one of our Glitterati members. You Ooh. get bonus podcast <gasps> you think we just got some stickers you might get some stickers five dollars stickers stickers they're really good too they're sitting right next to me they're very cute um at the five or ten dollar level you are donating to us monthly to offset our recording costs but it's not just that guys for the cost of a cup of coffee you are giving us monthly income to give right back to the wrestling ecosystem we keep sponsoring shows and wrestlers who that you who you love because they're doing the work that you love and we want to keep watching the work that you love so that we can report on it and so you can keep watching it isn't that great isn't that a wonderful cycle so you give us money and we give your money to them we've done this for wrestlers lab we've done it for enjoy we've done it for a host of people and we want to keep doing it so if you feel like it the holidays are coming up give us a little christmas present by making us a monthly subscription to our Patreon, patreon.com, Great Glitter Pod. You'll get some bonus stuff right off the bat. Harley is in the process of uploading our entire first year of Great and Glitter that was on the PW Torch. So if you missed that, you couldn't stand all the ads, no problem. You can now listen to it for it with ease and for a low, low, low monthly donation to our Patreon. So head on over there, patreon.com, Great Glitter Pod. Next week, we'll be back with more grit and glitter action, I believe we have another uh, we have another uh, entry in our Living Legends series. You'll have to tune in next week to find out who. Uh, thanks for joining me, Jackie. Oh, thank you for having me. This has been a great conversation. Yes. Oh my gosh. Looking forward to this week. I've been missing AEW recently, and now I have a reason to tune in again. And real stories to follow. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs>